0: I don't know if you saw this, but scares the living hell out of me. Let's look at Trump's economic advisor, Peter Navarro.
1: What's being done nationally to keep people from getting sick? Because, I mean, I don't know, Peter, if you've seen the, the video from just yesterday in Wisconsin, but a bunch of people raced out to the nearest bar the second that the Wisconsin State Supreme yeah. Court lifted the stay-at-home orders. And I, I don't know, I mean, if, you've, if you consider this keeping people safe, but they're not doing what we've been told is important in terms of social distancing and wearing masks. So what's the national plan to keep people safe?
2: I I think we have to have a national dialogue uh, about the the costs and benefits of of the lockdown. And, you know, the medical professionals, including... Dr. Fauci wants to keep the whole thing locked down, not send her children to school. I, you know, that's one way to heard, do it. I
1: haven't heard Dr. Fauci say that. I didn't hear Dr. Fauci say, don't send her children to school. But, but he didn't be say that, that. that
2: as it may, there is a point of view where keep it locked down until the virus is extinguished. That was not the original philosophy and strategy of, of, of locking things down. It was simply to flatten the curve. But, but here's the thing, Allison. We, we have to soberly weigh this abiding fact. The China virus kills people directly, so that if you lock everything down, the direct deaths are less. However, if you shut the economy down, you also kill people through alcoholism, drug abuse, opioid overdoses, depression, and what we saw, and I think this was one of the the big mistakes, uh, the closures of our hospitals to anything but COVID. Basically, people needed a heart, or kidney yeah. or other kinds of treatment, uh, it, it it puts them at risk. Understood, as well. but so, I mean I think
1: that people so are talking, including Dr. Fauci, about reopening sure. smartly and how to keep people from getting sick, smartly. I mean, so are you comfortable with what you saw in Wisconsin in those videos?
2: Uh, <laughs> no, uh, but but I, I understand the the frustration. I, I, first of all, I didn't see the video, so I think you're referring to to somebody in in bars. Is that correct? Yes,
1: I mean people are so, not socially distancing, and so you know, look here. I have yeah, the new okay. guidance, the who, new CDC who I, guidelines. Who am I to
2: judge here in the White House? I think one of the problems is that this is sp- split along party lines and people are too judgmental. No, no, but Peter, to be clear, my, I'm not asking you to here, judge. Yeah, Hold on a second. Sure. I'm not
1: asking you to judge. I'm okay. asking you what the plan is. What are the specific guidelines, now that we reopen this weekend, well, what are the guidelines to keep people from getting sick? You,
2: you, you've, you know, I, you're, you've veered way out of my, my lane. That's, that's the, the uh, task force and Dr. Burks and the CDC and all of that. All I can talk about, Allison. happy to do that as much as you want is about how we have enough domestic production here to provide the PPE and medicines for our people. Got it. Okay. Uh,
0: How do you feel now? Feel like the Trump administration has stuff under control? So Peter Navarro, Trump's advisor, goes on CNN and basically laughs at uh, a bar opening in Wisconsin where people aren't wearing masks, they're kind of sitting on top of each other. You know, listen, would I love to go to a bar right now, take a few honey whiskey shots? I do like maple whiskey for my friends in Canada. Uh, you know, a couple Coronas, maybe dance a little 90s music. Would I love that? Absolutely. I would love it. I am getting restless here. And I'm not even a drunk. Not that you're a drunk to go to a bar. Everybody enjoys a good cocktail now and then. But, you know, I'm not a doctor. But, not. Do does alcohol... Occasionally weaken the immune system? Talking to my girlfriend. So, if there's a deadly virus going on and immunocompromised people are even more at risk, but even people with strong immune systems, because people have died uh, that are athletes, that exercise, blah, blah, blah. Maybe going to a bar, you know, getting drunk, uh, not wearing a mask while you're doing this is weakening your immune system they deliver alcohol. Can drink the right they deliver alcohol she's so she's so smart so that's beyond that's so put that aside that that's crazy what's amazing to me then you have this insane nonsense well you know more people might die staying home because they'll get depressed and opioids and uh alcohol and suicide like People aren't committing suicide and opioid overdosing and wildly depressed and anxious before the pandemic. People aren't, yes, depression and anxiety are up, uh, particularly with everybody's routines out of whack, everybody not able to get out and go to the gym and and see your friends and your family and do your routine. But is he really? He just made the argument that, well, you know, the same amount of people might die if we To leave people at home from opioids and suicides. Okay, Dr. Navarro, where did you get your medical training in mental health? This is what I'm talking about with the capitalist death cult. This is a capitalist death cult. We should have locked down the economy for three weeks to a month federally and not had each state doing its own thing. I understand the civil libertarian people out there that say, Jordan, that's too much, but that's what should have been done. You don't mess around and go state by state, city by city, town by town with a deadly virus. Basically, Trump is saying, uh, to hell with it. You know, everything will be fine. The virus will just go away once the hot weather comes, because we know he went to the University of Phoenix online for his medical degree. And now you have Peter Navarro. And by the way, all of them, notice, Dr. Fauci has been backbenched, the only person with the proper level of caution, him and Dr. Birx. So Trump, because he's a moron and he's only listening to his donors and corporate America who want the economy reopened. I don't know how you reopen an economy if you don't have enough customers. How do you have enough customers when people are getting laid off, people are having their hours cut, furloughs. But what he's doing right now is not only going to increase result in a massive uptick in the virus. What it's going to do, he's going to be forced to, we're going to be forced to go back to the future or back to the past. We're going to be forced to do what we did two months ago, which is stay at home orders across the country. Viruses don't die if people start congregating together, particularly with the weather getting better, people are not only gonna be congregating, but drinking and smoking and all these things. And I'm not trying to sound like your, you know, tight ass mother or father when you were a teenager saying stay off the weed. I'm not talking about that, but during a deadly virus, which is still very active, and we still have several states, according to data, where the, uh, the cases are increasing. And most states where the cases have been steady and staying the same, this whole policy of Trump and Navarro and the Republicans and some Democrats to just let's close our eyes and you know pray thoughts and prayers and you know if we just pray to Jesus enough, the the virus will leave. It ain't gonna work. I know people want to get back to the bars and work and this and that, but this we don't even honestly, we don't even know, and I don't even know since I've had it, if people can contract coronavirus twice. The jury's out on that. I I just read that article the other day. There's people contracting it twice. And this isn't a political issue, by the way. This isn't because I don't like Trump, it's certainly not because I like Biden, but you, you either care about getting reelected and you don't care about the death count or you care a little bit about saving lives. Trump obviously doesn't give a damn about how many lives he saves. And the thing that is most troubling is not only doesn't care, but again, everything they're doing right now is counter to their goal. Trump's goal is to quote, you know, I, I built the greatest economy ever, ever, which he didn't. The economy sucked. It's, the stock market does not equate to Main Street. The economy has sucked for 30 years in this country. It's been great for 1% to 5% of the people and horrific for the rest of us. But Trump's whole thing, well, I built the best economy and I'm going to build it again soon. He's trying to, to show the electorate around summer, fall, that the economy has some improvement, improving signs heading into November. But what you're going to do is end up soliciting the Great Depression for folks. I understand it's tantalizing right now. The weather here in New York is nice, maybe by you. But don't do what the people at that bar in Wisconsin did. Don't do what Trump And these Rand Paul, who, you know, Rand Paul thinks he's, as an eye doctor, has greater medical expertise than Dr. Anthony Fauci. Did you see that hearing where Rand Paul says, well, you're not the greatest. You're not the be all end all. Who the does Rand Paul think he is? Who the does the Republicans think they are? Peter Navarro. Well, you know, you could die from more, from staying in more than you could die from going out. This kind of idiocy, post-factual America, post-truth is going to kill a lot of people that don't need to be killed. And just so you know, it isn't just the elderly at risk, folks. There's young people dying. There's middle-aged people dying. So I'm just telling you, I have a smart audience, but please don't. I'm not saying you have to stay in your home at all times, but please. Don't go to bars without a mask. Don't binge drink at bars. Keep social distance from people. If you're going outside, whether it's to a park, camping, whatever. Masks, distance. This is still highly active. And the Republicans and Trump and his advisors are willingly telling you to go out there. You know, let's restart America. Trump's saying, oh, most people that get it don't even feel it. This false sense of comfort comfort that they're trying to provide you because they are the capitalist death cult could get you killed. And I know a lot of you are smarter than to trust Trump and Republicans, but a lot of people will trust what they're saying. I'm starting to see suddenly that now that Bernie Sanders is no longer in the race, I'm starting to see this pattern where very, very untoward things that were happening while he was in the race, are suddenly not happening anymore. For example, I covered the CNN poll the other day that, if you, if you weren't watching, uh, iceberg, Donald Trump is, has a higher favorability rating right now than Joe Biden among people under the age of 50. No, no, this isn't the onion. CNN poll, Donald Trump, 44% favorability, voters under 50 Biden, 40% unfavorability. When it comes to over 50, Trump, even, 49 favorable, 49 unfavorable. Biden, slightly ahead. But this number, my God, you're at 40% favorable rating under 50? All I got to say, Iceberg, right ahead. So, but in this poll, just magically, because remember, Jen and I reported on it throughout the primary, they could never do polls that equally off, you know, did an equal distribution of voters over 50 polled versus voters under 50 polled. They were always wildly oversampling voters over 50, which gives you a skewed perspective, because obviously, if you're oversampling older voters, Bernie is always going to do weaker in the polls. But this CNN poll, as I told you the other day, all of a sudden, they find enough voters under the age of 50, and it's it's a pretty even distribution. Voters over 50, voters under 50. They even called more people on cell phones than land fo- than landlines. Which, in the most of the polls that went on when it was just Bernie versus Biden, Buttigieg, and the rest of the gang, they could they sudden they never were able to uh, call more cell phones than landlines. Now. Suddenly they are. Isn't that interesting? Bernie's out. Now they could do polling that has some integrity to it. But I'm a little late to this because this was a few days ago. But I watched this clip with Joy Joy Ann Reed. And my God, it's almost like now that Bernie's out, Joy sounds like she's starting to see the light. Let me know what you think of Joy and the way she's talking here.
1: And and other progressives in the House have been very much for Medicare for all, where if if there's anything that's ever that's made the case for separating um, insurance from employment and making the two stand alone so that business owners wouldn't have to worry about having to fund it and people wouldn't have to worry about losing it when something like this happens. do, do, Do you see movement? I mean, I don't know if you've had conversations with Joe Biden about this, but it feels like that case is being made every day. I think that case is being made every day for why we should not tie healthcare to any job. It should be guaranteed no matter who you work for, whether you get laid off or not. Um, And I think that anybody who said that employer-sponsored healthcare offered you choice, I would always say, and I think I said it here on the show, Joy, with you, that there's no choice when you get laid off. You don't have any choice at
0: that point. It feels like that case is being made every day, Joy Reid says what the case is being made now that so many people are losing their health insurance but the case wasn't being made before the coronavirus pandemic when 30 million people were unemployed uninsured millions more under underinsured the case wasn't made when general motors workers went on strike and General Motors took away their health insurance temporarily, but now suddenly it's Biden versus Trump. MSNBC owned by Comcast is in a win-win position. Either you get Trump re-elected for four years, which equals lots of ratings for MSNBC and NBC, or you get Biden uh, re-elected or Biden elected for four years, which equals ratings for MSNBC and NBC. Also, parent company Comcast, they got an army of lobbyists. They've held fundraisers for Joe Biden. They also lobby the Trump administration and get get a lot of goodies. So now that Bernie is out and the progressive threat is gone, they're actually able to have real topical discussions and maybe... Joy Reid is allowed to state the obvious that was obvious before the coronavirus pandemic. She said, if anything's making the case for separating health insurance from employment, I think the coronavirus pandemic is making that case. And then she said, it feels like, it feels like that case is being made every day. But wait a minute, and I don't want to belittle, obviously we have an acute situation here a very acute situation here uh, according to economic Policy Institute roughly sixteen point two million more Americans uh, lost their employer sponsored health insurance now obviously 36 million people have filed unemployment claims so it's anywhere between 17 million and 36 million uh, who have lost their health insurance not every single person who has lost their job was getting health care from in their employer. Some people choose not to uh, get health care from their employer because they can't afford the deductions from their paycheck. But the bottom line is right now, you got tens of millions of people now who have lost their health insurance. This is manufacturing consent reversed. Joy Reid, Rachel Maddow, hardball Chris, who's no longer on MSNBC, thank the Lord, Morning Joe, CNN, The Washington Post, The New York Times, all of them. When when the progressives were saying exactly what she just said for the last five years, saying you don't have security with employer-sponsored health care. When Pete Buttigieg, that f- asshole, excuse my French, swear jar, was going around with these big pharma talking points. Oh, Bernie Sanders trying to rip healthcare out of the hands of 160 million people who just love their private health insurance, when all of these people were calling it a big government takeover, when all these people were talking for you, the American people, saying people love their private employer healthcare plans. What is now apparently obvious to Joy Reid was pretty obvious to most objective, not bought, not purchased people it was pretty obvious to everybody before the coronavirus pandemic it was obvious that 30 million people didn't have health insurance tens of millions of more people underinsured employers using health care as a punishment against employees who struck who went on strike look at general motors who went on strike, General Motors took away their health insurance. They gave it back at the last minute, but originally they stopped paying for their health insurance. But now Joy Reed, her eyes are opening. And by the way, I wanna be clear on something. I'm not against, and as progressives, we should not be against genuine yeah. evolution if somebody like Joy Reid, Morning Joe, you know, gas bags at the Washington Post genuinely evolve to see the light, okay, you should have been there in the first place, but we'll take it, right? But the key word is genuinely. Because we don't wanna, we, we wanna keep our circle open. We wanna invite new people into the progressive movement. Even people, I, I use Peter Dow as an example. Peter Dow was a real hell bot in 2016. Was you know living and dying for the Hillary Clinton campaign. Uh, I don't know if he worked for the campaign or whatever, but he was big on Twitter, going after the Bernie Bros, and you know was all climbing up woke back mountain with the rest of them. But since then, he has seen the light. He has evolved, and he has become a fierce guy, a fierce fighter for progressive causes like Medicare for All, Green New Deal, calling out his former uh, friends in the neoliberal circle. And that was a genuine evolution. And I applaud Peter Dow. I'd love to have him on. But when you see people like Joy Reid suddenly seeing the light, do you think it's genuine? Or do you think now people like Joy Reid could actually tell the truth because there's no actual threat of a progressive taking the White House? I think it's the latter. I don't think Joy Reid has suddenly seen the light my guess is she felt this way all along. My guess is most people that spew these corporate propaganda talking points about Medicare for all, deep down in their hearts, know it's a good idea. Know it's more efficient. Know it would save money. Know it would save the government money. Know it would save lives. But because they're part of the revolving door and the neoliberal order, they can't save the truth. You want to know how I know this? Because 20 years ago, Nancy Pelosi stood up in front of the Capitol talking about single-payer Medicare for all and why we need it. Joe Biden, years ago, Kyle Kalinske found video of this, said, yeah, I think he, I don't think he called it Medicare for all, but he said single-payer is what we need. Suddenly now, suddenly now, you know, when you're the Speaker of the House getting oodles and oodles of money from Big Pharma, oodles and oodles of money from Wall Street that's heavily invested in private health insurance and Big Pharma, oodles and oodles of money from hedge funds that are up to their eyeballs invested in private, private health insurance, suddenly it's a big government takeover. So this level of intellectual dishonesty, this level, because Joy Reid, let me tell you something, I don't know her heart. I don't know her head. She has lied quite a lot in the past. I'm still, I'm still waiting for that FBI investigation on her blogs, her blog posts from the 2000s, her homophobic blog posts. She says she was hacked. She didn't write that? Yeah. The FBI was investigating. I'm still waiting for the results of that FBI investigation. But it's just sad because if Joy Reid would have spoken honestly, like she's speaking right now to Congresswoman Jayapal, if she would have talked about the tens of millions of people that don't have health care, the millions more before coronavirus, if she would have talked like this during the campaign and just given her audience mostly of older people, uh, the true facts about Medicare for all, then voters could make informed decisions. Because most voters, even the one, uh, a lot of them that chose Biden over Bernie, still were for Medicare for all. Every primary state the exit polls showed, even Mississippi, for God's sakes, were for Medicare for all. But people like Joy Reed programmed those same voters that were for Medicare for all to think Bernie's extreme, he's unelectable, Biden's the safe choice, Biden's the electable choice. And now, unfortunately, the, chick- the, the chickens are coming home to roost. Is this electability to you? Again, CNN poll. The battleground states, the 15 states that will decide this election. Let me give you the map showing the states. Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, Nevada... Joe Biden, voters under 50, has a, a lower favorability rate than Donald Trump himself. That ain't going to get you 270 electoral votes, I could tell you that. Finally, we're getting some tepid, but still, we're getting a little bit of a progressive resistance here. Nancy Pelosi's $3 trillion bill to nowhere. It doesn't even matter, this bill, because Trump's not going to sign it but it's a messaging bill. $3 trillion, $1 trillion going to states and cities. I'm going to do an interview uh, with somebody soon to show you why that whole $1 trillion to states and cities, not what you think it is. Trust me, federal money that's earmarked earmarked to states and cities, nine out of 10 times, you might be lucky if a quarter of the fe- money that the federal government has earmarked actually gets to the final destination. We'll get to that another time. So It usually gets diverted to donors, real estate developers, and all the usual suspects. But in response to Nancy Pelosi's $3 trillion bill, which includes a bailout for lobbyists, which includes uh, a reduction of the SALT cap, which is basically going to give a tax cut to wealthy Democrats – uh, Rokana says, "I am I am voting no on the, the this rule. We have a health care crisis, yet no expansion of Medicaid or Medicare. FDR didn't talk about employer retirement accounts. Lyndon B. Johnson didn't talk about voting rights. In some precincts, they would have scoffed at Cobra to private companies. We need bold leadership." Ilhan Omar, I'm a no on today's rule today's rule vote. In the biggest crisis since the Great Depression, we should be leading with bold ideas that meet the scale of the crisis. That's Ilhan Omar. The other no votes, and this would be a rule change that would allow uh, this $3 trillion bill, which, by the way, in addition to bailouts for lobbyists, uh, t- a tax rollback that helps wealthy Democrats, they also water down the student loan relief provisions. The student loan relief provisions were supposed to be larger, but then Nancy Pelosi and the rest of the uh, Republicans, pretending to be progressives, said, "Oh, I think this is going to cost too much." So they drastically reduced the provisions that would give relief for people with student loans. So no problem giving four, four trillion to six trillion, give or take. The estimates in the first bill are between four and six trillion. We could afford that to give four to $6 trillion to big corporations, but we got to scale back relief for student loans and students while giving uh, taxpayer-funded bailout money to lobbyists on K Street. The other knows: AOC, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, uh, Mark Pocan, Ayanna Presley, Pramila Jayapal, Ro Khanna, Katie Porter, uh, don't know the first name of Garcia, don't know Connor Lamb, I believe that is, uh, something uh Axney, Spanberger and by the way uh, the ones he starred are actually moderates so even some moderates got in, got into this uh, and Stevens so you know the progressives that should be on there are on there I'd like to know is Tulsi is Tulsi Gabbard still a member of Congress or not Tulsi who because I see a lot of people on YouTube just bashing Bernie Sanders left and right Oh, he's a sellout, Bernie's a fraud, Bernie's a this, Bernie's a that, a coward. But I don't see them going after Tulsi Gabbard, who's been quiet as a mouse during this pandemic. Do, does anybody watching, I, I don't want to, you know, trigger our Tulsi stands here, but I don't, see, I don't see Tulsi Gabbard on that list voting no against this monstrosity. Shocking. This is, a, this, somebody said Tulsi is a senator. This is a House vote, House of Representatives. Last time I checked, Tulsi Gabbard is a congresswoman, yes. Tulsi Gabbard is a congresswoman. So I'm just saying, let's be consistent. If we're gonna call Bernie all these things, and hey, I think Bernie deserves criticism. I've been criticizing him. But I don't agree with people whose new political jihad seems to be Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is not the ultimate problem. And what the oligarchy wants to do, what the plutocrats thrive on, what corporations thrive on, what intelligence operations thrive on, is divide and conquer. They want to divide the left. And certain people are helping that cause by laser focusing on Bernie Sanders as the problem. Was he weak during the campaign? Yes. I said it during the campaign. I criticized him during the campaign. Is he messing up now? Yes. But you know what? Let's, let's take a pause from all this high school and middle school foolishness. Oh, you know, oh, he's a sellout, he's a coward. Yeah, let me ask you a question. These people saying this, what the f- have they done that's so brave? Have they done so much in their lives? Did these people calling Bernie Sanders a coward on Twitter and on YouTube, did they force Jeff Bezos? to give Amazon workers a $15 minimum wage? Was that them? These brave souls who were so wise and brave and better than Bernie Sanders? Are they responsible for Disney workers getting $15 minimum wage? Did they hold up Obamacare and hold it hostage and would have taken it down? Uh, If not, basically forced Obama to put $9 billion in there for community health centers. Bernie Sanders got $9 billion into Obamacare. But all these people who are pissed off and angry, rightfully so right now, are listening to people on YouTube and Twitter, and there's a lot of hosts talking like this who, oh, he's a coward, he's a sellout, yeah? What the f**k have you done? There's nothing wrong with criticizing Bernie Sanders. He's not above criticism. And I do criticism. But spare me to the people who have been on the bandwagon for Bernie. Oh, they've enjoyed the bandwagon. Bernie's gotten them a lot of quick clicks and Twitter follows, whatever. But the minute he does some things you don't like, all of a sudden, Bernie Sanders is a, is a worse threat than Donald Trump. Oh my god, I'm listening to some people go on and go on. It's deranged. So he endorsed Joe Biden. Guess what? He said from the beginning he was going to endorse the Democratic nominee. You don't like it? Okay, but that's what he said he was going to do. It's not a surprise. I don't like how he did it. I don't think he should have done it when he did it. I think he should have actually got something for it. I think he should have organized his massive email list and organize the troops that he has for things like a rent strike, a mortgage strike, a general strike, now's the time to do that. But just because somebody isn't doing exactly what you want 100% of the time doesn't make them a sellout. And frankly, the people doing that that are frankly radicalizing impressionable minds, impressionable minds are irresponsible. And I'd like to know I'd like to know from these people tweeting this, I'd like to know from hosts saying this, what the have you done in your life? What are you, are you you so brave? Because a lot of people doing this right now, they they make good money. These people saying, you know, Bernie should have stopped the first corporate, Bernie should have stopped the first corporate bailout bill. He should have stopped it dead on its track. Oh yeah? Are you so brave The people saying that? even though that bill was a storm and a sandwich, and it was terrible, are you so brave that you would have chose to fight the war then? When you, by delaying that bill, if Bernie Sanders delayed that bill, if he filibustered that bill, you're going to be the one that delays even further, millions of people who cannot afford to miss a paycheck, who will lose their homes, who will go under, you're gonna be the one that stops them from getting unemployment and delays their unemployment checks. And a lot of them haven't even gotten it yet. You're gonna delay it further so you could make a point? You're gonna delay their $1,200 check? No, it's not enough. I agree it's not enough. You're gonna delay it so you could make a point? Well, if you're that brave, if you have that big of balls, the people saying this, then why don't you run for office? But I'll be damned. I'm a journalist. I'm not a hero worshiper. I do personally support Bernie. I've always been open about that. But I don't worship Bernie. That's why I criticize him when it's appropriate. But I can't stand people in the progressive media. I can't stand people, even people I like, by the way, on Twitter and these other places, suddenly – Oh my God, I was sucking Bernie's f- for five years and praying love Bernie and, and praying love Bernie to get a big audience. And now he's not doing exactly what I want. So I'm so brave. I'm so brave. And I'm so, I'm such a fighter that from the comfy confines of Twitter and YouTube comments and YouTube and wherever these people saying it, because it's not just one person, I'm seeing a lot of people saying this. Yeah, if you're that brave, if you're that consistent, if you're that much of a gladiator, then why don't you get in the ring and run for office? Because the only thing you're doing right now is dividing people, is radicalizing people. The enemy is not Bernie Sanders, okay? Is he doing shit that I don't agree with? Yes, but I'll tell you who the real enemies are. It's Nancy Pelosi, it's Chuck Schumer... Because really what the Democratic Party has become is the getaway car for the Republican robbers. The Republicans are robbing the Treasury, they're robbing our planet, and the Democrats are kind of in for the ride. They're waiting outside for Mitch McConnell to come with the come with the bank. Come with the bag with the money. And they're driving away. Just join via Patria. And I didn't even I didn't even plan on doing this, rant. But i got to tell you something. I said to not last night, I was watching something. I won't say what I was watching. And I was just disgusted. I was just disgusted. Because i got to tell you something, and I don't, I'm not someone who brags about myself often, but here's a humble brag. I have busted my ass far more than most of these people on YouTube the last five years. Most of these people on YouTube, frankly, work a few hours a day. I've been to 40 states, okay? I've sacrificed holidays. I've worked seven days a week for two years to build this company with Jen. I have been in the trenches where a lot of these people just tweet and talk. Nothing wrong with people who do commentary or people that live on Twitter. I'm not criticizing them. But I actually walk the walk. I go out in the field. I speak with the American people. I speak with a lot of downtrodden black people a lot of downtrodden brown people, a lot of downtrodden indigenous people, a lot of downtrodden white people. And I could tell you, for the people saying Bernie's a sellout, for the people saying Bernie's a fraud, he's a coward, he's a joke, he's a this, he's a that, yeah? Well, why don't you leave Twitter, get off Twitter for a second, get out of your studios, and why don't you go in the trenches and you speak with these people and you tell them, hey, You're not gonna get your unemployment check. It's gonna be delayed. You're not gonna get your $1,200 check. Because I wanna make a point and I'm gonna delay the bill for weeks. You go do that from the comfy confines of Twitter. And by the way, I don't really give a damn if I lose subscribers over this because I've seen in in the past few days I'm losing subscribers. I don't really care. This isn't about defending Bernie or criticizing Bernie. Honestly, it ain't even really about Bernie to me. This is about a mindset. And I've seen this since 2016. People were screaming, Bernie's a sellout because he endorsed Hillary Clinton. You know what? I don't like that he endorsed Hillary Clinton. I don't think he should have. But you want to know something? The same people that were calling him a sellout after he endorsed Hillary Clinton came running back to Bernie and were back on the train when he ran again, isn't it? If I literally was emailing with a viewer because I do respond to viewer emails quite a lot and a viewer was raking me over the calls for not specifically calling Bernie Sanders a sellout and I was writing an essay to this guy because I was so angry. And you want to know something? We had a back and forth. If you're watching, you could say who you are. I won't say your name. By the end of it, he said, you just got a new subscriber and a paid member what? because I because because I didn't think about it because I didn't think about it that way. Yeah, it. There, there's nothing. There's yeah. absolutely nothing wrong with criticizing Bernie. He was weak as f-ing weak during the campaign. I was saying it since 2016. Take off the gloves against Hillary Clinton. Take off the gloves against Biden. Stop calling him your friend. Go go after the guy. He's lying about his civil rights record. He's lying about being arrested in apartheid South Africa. He's lying. He never sat in. He never joined civil rights sit-ins. He palled around with Strom Thurmond to push busing. And Bernie wouldn't do it. And I criticized him. This is, I'm not a Bernie bro. I criticized him when, have you seen Bernie Sanders ever do an interview with me? I don't prostitute myself for access. But what's unbelievable to me is these same people, and again, it's not just one person, but these same people who suddenly are on a political jihad against Bernie Sanders because they see the clicks and they are just pissed off and it doesn't matter to them if they're being responsible or saying something right. Oh, and it's Tulsi Gabbard who's being corrupt and an actual sellout. Oh, we can't say anything. There's plenty of people that basically for the last year have had their heads so far up Tulsi Gabbard's ass they can't see straight. And I, I, and I happen to like Tulsi Gabbard. I like her foreign policy views, but you want to know something? I was one of the few during the campaign that called her out because she was doing and hobnobbing and having private little fundraisers with Anthony Scaramucci and other Wall Street hedge funders here in New York. So are we only going to criticize Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg and Kamala Harris and, all, and the corporate Democrats for hobnobbing and playing footsie with Wall Street bankers? But when Tulsi Gabbard does it because her campaign is flailing and she needs money, we shouldn't criticize her? I pointed that out to several Tulsi bros or whatever you would call them, and they just closed their eyes and counted to 10. And they, they didn't say anything about it. I got attacked for the for the audacity to criticize Tulsi Gabbard for voting president present during impeachment. You, you wanna you wanna be president, but you can't vote yes or no. I did her her menta- her little reasoning for voting present was bull. And again, this is somebody I like, but I mean I've seen people who are bashing Bernie b- till they're blue in the face that were soft as silk on Tulsi Gabbard. Let me tell you something, if Bernie Sanders ever did a fundraiser and had private meetings with Anthony Scaramucci, the mooch, a hedge funder, and other Wall Street hedge funders, oh, I think these people would be saying something. But the bottom line, let me wrap this up. And I don't really care if I lose subscribers. I don't care if this pisses off people. We're not going to go anywhere as a progressive movement if we take our eye off the ball. And you know, we have selective amnesia in in America because the same people calling Bernie, Bernie a sellout, yeah? Well, show me where the nationally organized progressive movement was in 2014. You show me what the nationally organized progressive movement was in 2014. Where was it? Somebody told me the other day, Jordan, stop lying. Occupy was around. Occupy was 2011. It was wonderful. It was great. I went there. I did a little drugs. Occupy was great. And I think Occupy set a lot of the uh, conditions for something like Bernie to happen. But after Occupy, people went back to sleep. Yeah, there was Black Lives Matter, Fight for 15, Medicare for All, climate groups, the Green Party, but there wasn't a nationally. Bernie Sanders is the reason we even have an energized progressive movement. Yeah, there's a lot of people pissed off right now, but those people that pissed off were part of the people that were asleep before Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders, is 70, as a 70-something-year-old, has barnstormed the country for the last five years. Instead of spending time with his grandchildren, he has gone around the country, not because he woke up as a child with the dream to be president. He fought, he tried to get Warren to run against Hillary Clinton, he didn't want to run for president. But he ran, not for himself, not because he's a power-hungry little like Pete Buttigieg. He ran because he cares about working people. He ran because he cares about the downtrodden. Now, we might not agree with his current decisions. We might not agree with his current strategy. We might not agree with the live streams, videos he's doing with Biden that resemble more like hostage taking videos. We might not agree with him not showing up for a key vote on a privacy surveillance bill, which I reached out to his campaign yesterday to ask because it doesn't seem like anyone asked this question. Maybe he didn't show up because he's 78 years old and just had a heart heart attack and there's a deadly pandemic going on. Did Jeremy Scahill wonder that before he tweeted again about it? Maybe he, as a 78-year-old who had a heart attack recently and is in the highest-risk group that could get coronavirus, is a little nervous about showing up and traveling right now. Now, we could make the argument, as some did on Twitter, that he needs to resign his position because he can't do his job. That's a fair argument. But did anyone wonder? Maybe he didn't show up for this vote because... he has a serious pre-existing condition. He had a heart attack recently. He's 78. There's a deadly virus going around. Jesus, these people. Go, the people have lost their mind. And I really have to say this, and maybe I have a little chip on my shoulder because I actually get in the trenches and I go out in the field. Not when a story's breaking. Most stories I cover are not breaking. I cover stories because they're important and they're not getting any attention. And that's probably why I'll never be a millionaire and I don't need to be a millionaire. But it really makes me sick to see people on Twitter, on YouTube, on all this thing. Losing their fing minds. I'm not I'm not the tone police. There's free speech. So if you wanna if people with large platforms and large followings wanna Cole Bernie a coward and a sellout and a joke and a fraud, and by all means. But what I'll say to those people yeah, where were you at Standing Rock? Where were you in Flint? Were you at Occupy Wall Street? Have you done the work that you're bashing Bernie Sanders for? Or are you so wise and brave because you tweet, or you have a YouTube show, or you BBBB? There's nothing wrong with criticizing. There is something very wrong and I will say dangerous with radicalizing people's minds and radicalizing very impressionable people to think that the, literally the father of the progressive movement of the 21st century, we're not talking 20th century, 21st century, the reason we have a progressive movement, the reason Medicare for all is even a discussion, the reason Fight for 15 is now mainstream. yes. We haven't seized power, and I will say, I think a good analogy. I think Bernie Sanders was Moses. He got us out of the desert. He couldn't get us to the promised land. But you know what? It ain't it ain't easy to get to wake up the masses and get them out of the desert. Now we have to take we have to get to the promised land. And it's not just going to be through electoral politics, which Bernie always said. He always said, it's not me, it's us. It's from the ground up. Yes, electoral politics, but organizing too. So for those brave, wise warriors on YouTube and Twitter calling Bernie Sanders a fraud, uh, a this, a that, whatever. You know what? Why don't you tell us what you've done that's so brave? Why don't you tell us what you've done? Have you been to Flint 15 times? Did you labor up hills at Standing Rock with a bad back? Were you 78 years old going around the country for the last five years? Did you go on the picket lines with McDonald's workers, Verizon workers, Disney workers? Why don't you shut the up? You want to criticize Bernie? That's fine. But when you start calling heroes of the progressive movement sellouts and frauds and jokes and this and that, you become the joke.